0: When I was about five years old, my mom enrolled my sister and me in some uh, swimming lessons. And I remember we, had, uh, we were kind of in this little kiddie pool for, I don't know, it was like a two or three foot pool, I don't know how big it was, but just like the little kiddie pool for a few weeks. And then all of a sudden, the swimming instructor said, okay, Robbie, I think you're ready for the diving well. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> he says, yeah, yeah, buddy, I think you're ready. No, I'm not. Well, let's try it. I'm not ready. And I'm not kidding. This must have been old school, okay? They've done some studies since then to find out that this, this, this Mars kid's, okay? But he actually took me on the side of the pool and dropped me. And I just kind of, I didn't know I was five years old. I didn't know that if you point your toes and put your hands by your side that you'll go deeper, So I literally went down to the bottom of a 17-foot diving well. He had to jump in and rescue me. I said, I told you, I wasn't ready. (laughs) Now, some of that was something I still struggle with, hard-headedness. But part of it was I truly wasn't ready to go there. But they made me anyway. I kind of feel that way about our emphasis on prayer. You know, I wish I could be stronger in prayer myself before I start deep, dive, diving into some deep waters. Especially when I think about, you know, I prepare for the message. and I think, Lord, you know what? You're You're speaking to me, and I'm supposed to be working these things out and, and praying about what you want to say to us and sharing that with other people. And, well, I've got so far to go. I'm still playing in the kiddie pool, amen? I'm not ready to go there yet. But apparently... The Lord wants us to together, and so I'm hoping that we can dig in a little bit deeper in this matter of prayer. And that's why we're doing this series on the prayers of Paul. And today we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to study verses 15 through 23. And as we, we turn to the book of Ephesians, I think it's interesting to realize that the rest of the prayers that we're going to study in this series were all written while the apostle Paul was in prison. Isn't that kind of interesting to know? In fact, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians are all going to be books that we're going to study here over the next few weeks. They're known, along with the book of Philemon, as Paul's prison epistles. Now an epistle, as someone has said, is not a wife of the apostles, okay? An epistle is a letter. They're Paul's prison letters that he wrote while he was in jail. And as we begin to look at Paul's Prayer in these verses today, there are two main things that I want to point out to you that we're going to notice in these verses. First of all, some of the exact same things that we studied last week, that we noticed last week. And I shared with you, they were were consistent things that seemed to show up in the prayers of the Apostle Paul. First of all, Paul talks about being thankful. We talked about that last time, didn't we? In, In this prayer, he specifically talks about being thankful for these people and for what God is doing in their lives. And he's thankful for their faith. He's thankful for their love. We talked about those things last time. And then he says, I do not cease to pray for you. We talked about the persistence that when you got on the Apostle Paul's prayer list, he was not going to stop praying for you. Now, I mention those things to you because we see them here again in this prayer, verses 15 and 16, but also because I believe there's something there that we learned last week that maybe God wants us to pay attention to and to learn from. But then we see in this verse, in these verses a new but important emphasis on understanding. In verses 17 through 18, the Apostle Paul uses several different words, but I think they're all pointing to basically the same thing. And this is it. There is so much that God has for you, Paul was saying to these people, I pray that you would just begin to get a glimpse of understanding all that God has done for you in Jesus Christ. That was his prayer for them. Isn't that quite a prayer? To begin to pray for people that they would just get a glimpse, just a little better understanding of all that they have in Jesus Christ. And by the way, This is an emphasis that we're going to see in the remaining prayers that we're going to study together. Paul's prayers weren't focused so much on what we pray for many times. We pray for, you know, this or that, you know, that relates to this world or issues or struggles or physical things or material struggles that we have. But the Apostle Paul was focused on when he prayed for people, his primary concern was that they would have better understanding of what God has done in their life. I think that's interesting, don't you? We might put it like this. Paul was saying, if you only knew what God has done for you, it would dramatically change your life. And since that's the case, that's what I'm going to focus on when I pray for you. Now, I just believe tonight, if that was the heart of the Apostle Paul, who we've already identified as one of now after God changed him, he used to be one of the worst people that ever lived, but after God changed him, he was one of the finest examples of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. If a guy like that, God put on his heart to pray for those kind of things, I think maybe I could learn from that. How about you? Tonight, let's read verses 15 through 23 together. Paul says, For this reason... I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, there's those words, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart, listen to that imagery, is just different ways of Paul saying, I, I, I pray that you get what God's done for you. I pray that the, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Now these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Now we're going to look at several things tonight that I believe God would have us to draw these verses as we look at the heart of His servant Paul, as God led him to record the prayer that he prayed for these people. I believe God wants us to learn from that tonight. First of all, is this: Paul teaches us to pray that others will realize or understand what their salvation really means. In verse 18, the second part of that verse, Paul says, I pray, this is what he prayed for people. When he was on his knees, when he was talking to God, he prayed that they would know or understand the hope of his calling. What does that mean? Many people believe this is referring to, Paul is saying, I pray that you would have hope, that you would have confident expectation because you have put your trust in Jesus Christ. What Paul's saying is, if you are a believer in Christ, if you are a Christian, there was a time that God called you, amen? I don't know about you, I didn't look for God, God came after me, amen? (laughs) He intersected my life. God came calling, and we answered that call, we accepted that gift, and Paul says, I pray that you would just have a little better understanding of what difference it makes that that ever happened in your life. I want to think about that for just a minute. What difference does it make that you have been saved? What difference does it make? First of all, I'm forgiven of my sins. How about you? I no longer am carrying the burden. I'm no longer carrying the weight. Amen, anybody? I'm no longer carrying the guilt. Isn't that huge? I, have no longer, I don't know about you, but when I accepted Christ, I had a real sense. Did you hear Emily in that video? Did you hear her share that there was conviction? Okay. Some people say, what does that word mean? It basically means that God is speaking to our heart that we need him. And I remember God convicting me of my sin. I remember as a little boy, as a 12-year-old boy, and not because somebody preached some sermon to scare me to death, which isn't always a bad idea, but that's not the reason that I came to Christ, the reason I came to Christ is because I realized that I was a sinner and that I I couldn't make it to heaven on my own and that I was going to have to give an account of my life to God one day. And it might be tonight. I remember as a 12-year-old being afraid to go to sleep because if I went to sleep, I wasn't sure where I stood with God. I don't know about you, but accepting Christ changed a lot for me. Amen? I'm not afraid to go to sleep. I'm not worried about standing before God. In fact, I know I'm accepted by God. I've been brought into God's family forever. That's kind of different, isn't it? Never to be cast out of God's presence of his family again. I'm assured that I'm going to heaven one day when I die. I know that. He say, Robbie, that sounds arrogant. That sounds proud. That's what the Bible teaches. These things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, that you may have full assurance that you have life that lasts forever. 1 John 5, 13. Isn't that good news tonight? How important is that to our lives? Friends, I want to share something with you. I'm convinced if we knew that salvation and we would grow in our understanding of the implications of it, it would take care of many, if not most, of the problems that we deal with on a daily basis. And the reason I say that is because somebody's sitting here tonight saying, you know what, well this is all spiritual, this is all, you know, relationship with God, that's kind of, you know, up in the clouds. That's, uh, you know, in my head, but I'm, I'm walking. I'm living everyday life. What about my finances? What about my struggles in my relationships? I'm convinced that most of the problems that we struggle with, if we had complete assurance that we were right with God and understood the implications of that, most of that would be taken care of. Paul says, I'm praying that God would just give you a glimpse of what it means that he has forever changed your life. Now, here's my first response to seeing this in this prayer for Paul. Who prays this for other people? Who does? Raise your hand if you do. I want to say, who prays this? I hope you do. But I don't know many people, I might even could say any, that I've ever known that prays this kind of thing. When was the last time I said to the Lord in prayer, Lord, I hope that, whoever the person's name is, I hope that this person just gets a glimpse of what their salvation means for their life. I don't think like that. How about you? That's not an automatic in my prayer life. That's why I'm glad we study God's Word. Amen? He teaches us how to pray. Why would we pray that for somebody? Why? This is a good question. Why would the Apostle Paul long as the Spirit of God was working in his heart? Why would he long so badly For those that he had had an influence in their life, why would he long so much for them to experience this? What difference would it make if we knew the hope of God's calling in our lives? First of all, it would give us assurance, wouldn't it? I know that God is with me and I'll never be alone again. How many of us have lived our lives in uncertainty? Amen? Doubts? frustration, confusion, isn't it great to know, man, there's not a lot that I know in my life, but I know I'm right with God. Amen. I know things that we've got a relationship. It gives us assurance and it also gives me freedom. Now I'm accepted. I am free to live for God. I'm not afraid of what he thinks to me. I'm not trying to remove that guilt from my life myself or, or I'm not trying to live a perfect life. How many of us are living our life trying to wash ourselves of our own sin? How many of us are trying to live our life to, to be acceptable to God? Because some, even some religions, in fact, all religion tells us you got to be a really good boy in order for God to accept you. Isn't that true? And what does that do? It binds us. We can't move forward with the purpose that God has for us because we're always wondering where we stand with him. Doesn't it give us great freedom to finally know I'm right with God? Amen? Amen. It would give us love for him. The more we understand what Jesus has done for us, the more we're going to love him for it. not that true? The more I grow in my understanding of God's word and what Jesus has done for me, the more I say, wow, God, I didn't even realize all that you've done for me. The last thing I think of is bring you joy. We wouldn't get so distracted by life because this world no longer defines us, does it? I can have joy. I can live my life not based on circumstances, but I can live my life. Friends, listen. The sufficiency of Christ, have you ever heard that before? He is enough for me. Amen? Amen he is enough, it is finished, all the work's been done, I'm I'm in right relationship with God. That changes everything. There is so much that, that knowing that Jesus Christ has come into my life, there is so much that that changes. And Paul says, I hope, I pray for you, that God will just begin to show you all that he has done for you through Jesus. God's teaching us how to pray. Specifically, I notice here in Paul's prayer, you may notice this. God's teaching us how to pray for who? For one another, isn't he? I want to challenge you tonight. Instead of praying, always praying that my brother-in-law get a job. I mean, I should pray about those things, right? But instead of always praying about, you know, his big toes hurting, you know, pray for that. Okay, God cares about that if my big toes bother me. But instead of just praying about those kind of things, maybe we ought to think about these kind of things. Pray that your brother-in-law, that your friend, that your fellow believer in Christ sit beside you, that they would just get a glimpse of all that Jesus has done for them. Secondly, pray that others will know, will begin to understand what we have in heaven. Paul says, here's what I pray for people. I pray that people know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And that took me a long time to say. And, I, and it was hard to take a breath. <laughs> I wanted to take a breath. You know, I want to just, I, I, I want to I help you realize something. The book of Ephesians is written a lot like that statement. Paul says, I pray that you would realize where the riches are of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There's a lot of prepositions in the book of Ephesians. There's a lot of big words that are used with a lot of big ideas. And I want to share with you, the purpose is not that God's trying to give us some flowery language, some religious language to confuse us. But but I want you to recognize something. Of all the books in the New Testament, Ephesians is attempting to describe for us in words the amazing wonder of what God has done for us through Christ. And don't words fail us? Amen. How could you tell all that Jesus has done? Amen? Have you ever been to Niagara Falls? Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? Have you ever been to Alaska? My dad went to Alaska and he said, Rob, he says, the, the perspective, the proportion is just like way bigger than anything you've ever seen. It's like the mountains are all like in your face, and they're like miles away, okay? It's almost impossible to put into words the grandeur. If you've ever been to those places, it's almost impossible to describe for somebody, isn't it? So this language is kind of hard to understand because it's hard to put that into words. But one word that kind of clues us in is that word inheritance. Paul says, I pray that you would know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And I think what that's hinting at, even though it's kind of lofty language, I think ultimately it's pointing us to heaven. And maybe we could restate it like this. Paul says, you know what I hope for you? I hope that as you're walking with Jesus, I hope that he would just give you a glimpse of of what lies in store for you one day. Isn't that cool to think about? That's my prayer for you, brother. That's my prayer for you, sister. I pray, my heart is that you just get a glimpse of all that God has in store for you. And he uses words like riches and glory and inheritance and saints. All that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I don't know exactly what it all means. There's other places in the Bible that flesh that out a little bit more for us. But I can tell you this, it sounds pretty good, amen? You guys may not be excited about it, but I'm ready to go to heaven, okay? <laughs> what if we really understood what awaited us in heaven? Friend, let's don't rush by this. What difference would it make if I knew what awaited me in heaven? You know, I'm so glad that we focus on things about real life. I'm so glad we talk about things that affect our everyday life, and that's important. But sometimes today, as Christians, we focus too much on the here and now. It seems to me, as I look for, uh, back at Christians in years past, hundreds of years ago, it seems like they had a little bit more of an emphasis on heaven. Now, I'm not saying live with our head in the clouds, but maybe we should think of it like this. I've got my feet on the ground, but my eye on the horizon. Amen? I'm living this life. I'm walking through life. I'm living reality right here and now. But I also know I am just passing through. I'm going somewhere else. and <laughs> It is better than this. Amen? <laughs> I hope so. Amen? What would happen if God, and I can't do that. I can't. Through words, through language, through a message tonight. Paul just said, I pray that God would just give you a glimpse of all that He has in store for you. Would that give you enthusiasm in your life? If you knew. If you know, you know what? No matter how messed up this world is, I got a good place I'm going, and I can't wait to get there. I'm excited. I'm living like I'm going somewhere else. Amen. I'd be excited about going there. And by the way, wouldn't I be telling a lot of people where I'm headed? You ever go on a good vacation? You can't. you just tell everybody, right? Here's what we're going to go see. I think we'd be a lot more like that if we got a glimpse. We'd have better perspective. We'd be more patient. We'd have contentment. We wouldn't let anything get us too high or too low. We'd be willing to put up with a lot more problems. We'd need a lot less materialistic things because we'd realize this world is not my home. It is temporary. I am here on assignment. I don't really like it a lot. There are some good things. Praise the Lord. You got friends, you got family, you got blessings. God works in your life. He provides for you. We see some glimpses of God's glory. Amen? Praise his name for that. I need a little bit between now and then. Amen? But if we knew, you know what? This is, I'm on a mission. I'm on an assignment. And, and, and I'm not going to put all of my hopes and all my dreams in this place. I think also, as I said earlier, it'd give us more love for the Lord, wouldn't it? I'd love my Lord so much more realizing what he has planned for me. Now again, I just ask you, who prays this for other people? I don't, do you? Do you pray that your fellow brothers or sisters in the Lord would just get a glimpse of all that God has out there in the future for them, waiting for them in heaven? But how much difference would it make in our life if we did realize that? Lord, help Robbie. Lord, help whoever. Just get a picture, just a, a small glimpse of all that you have in store for them. Then, lastly, pray that others will experience God's power now. Many Bible teachers have made this observation about these verses. The calling, we said, I pray that you would experience that you would know the hope of his calling. Now, if we're right about that, if that's talking about he saved you, he brought you to himself, I pray that you'd experience the hope of that. That's talking about where? The past, right? Then we said, he said, I hope that you just get a glimpse of all that God has out there where? In the future, in front of you. They said, you know what, if the the first one, the calling looks backward, and if the inheritance looks forward, then the power looks at the present. In fact, somebody said this, the fact that the power part looks at the present might be why the Lord spent so much time on that one. Did you notice that in these verses? In verse 17, it says, Here's what I'm praying, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and of knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know, and then it kind of becomes a list here. We said, number one, so that you would know the hope of his calling, so that you would know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I know it's a mouthful, but it's still just a phrase in a list. And then thirdly, in verse 19, what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? Now, that's the end of the list, but he stops with that third one, and he kind of just gets in one of those Paul run-on Ephesian sentences. Okay? It's good to realize how my life has been changed. It's good to realize that one day I'm going somewhere else, but guess what? I got to live here today, amen? Amen? Look at what Paul prays. He says, I pray that you would know, friends, I just, I'm praying right now. I'm hoping that God could just open up our understanding. Mine too. I'm just getting a glimpse. I want more of what he's about to say to us. I pray that you will know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. I think I just heard a clap of thunder. Amen. And he doesn't stop there. The focus heavily in these verses is on God's power. And it's very difficult for me to convey to you how much it's emphasized. It's like Paul is taking every word he can think of in the Greek language that relates to power and trying to put them in one sentence so we'll come away and say, Wow, God is mighty. And I want you to know that uh, because there's not many of us in this room, including me, they can read a lot of Greek, amen? So we may not pick up on that, but I want us to notice in these verses, look what he says. He says, I pray that you would know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working, and that's the word that we get our word energy from. There's some activity there. The working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. There he is. He's just given lists of powers and authorities. And every word you can think of, of some power or authority or somebody important. He says, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. It sounds like he's pretty well covering... Summarize it for me. Everybody. <laughs> Everything. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. That sounds pretty powerful. And gave him his head over all things to the church. He's in control of this thing. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There's, Like I said, that's one of Paul's run on sins He's just trying to say, I'm just trying to make sure you understand Jesus is powerful. He uses eight to ten different words to emphasize that. And maybe the one that makes the most difference is found in that verse 19. He calls God's greatness surpassing. I love that word. It means literally to throw beyond. Okay, it's like we said, all right, listen, let's have a contest. We're going to throw. All right, let's see who can throw uh, beyond that line over there. And the, the, the most that anybody in this room could do, God throws beyond. That's what it means. It means to throw beyond. God goes way beyond the rest of it. Let me give you a little bit of an example of that. Let's say God says, okay, you want to see my power? Okay, everybody else goes first. We're going to hit a baseball. First person gets up, they hit it to shortstop. Good job. You made contact, right? You didn't strike out. Next person that gets up, they hit it to left field. Man, there's a drive. That's not bad. Better than shortstop. Next person that gets up, they knock it over the fence. Whoa, somebody's showing off now, right? Wow, that's pretty good. Next person that gets up, it is out of the ballpark. That doesn't happen very often, does it? It does happen sometimes. San Francisco Bay, it happened a few times, right? Then the Lord steps up. It's not even close. He hits it, and there's a drive. And it's not the next county. It's not across the United States. It's not to the moon. It hits the sun 93 million miles away. Uh, He won. Amen? (laughs) You won the home run hitting contest. That is the picture that you get here with this word of God's surpassing. You can actually translate that God's transcendent Greatness. He goes beyond anything we could imagine. You know, in this life, we get a few glimpses of major power. A nuclear bomb can release the same energy as billions of pounds of dynamite. That's major, isn't it? The waters of Niagara, 675,000 gallons a second. 36 million gallons a minute. Wow, we've been here 30 minutes? I can't do that math. That's a lot, amen? 30 times 36 million gallons since we've been here talking about this. A category F5 tornado with winds of 300 miles an hour. Ever seen those out west? When they have one of those, it's bad news, isn't it? We get glimpses of major power. He gives an example here. You want to talk about major power? Let's talk about resurrection power. Amen? He has power to raise people from the dead. Let's don't make that just a concept. Let's think about it in real life. We had several people over the last few weeks that during our Wednesday night prayer time, we were praying for God to heal them, for God to work in their lives in a major way. And there were several people, amazing. I mean, it was almost literally that God raised them off their deathbed. Let me give one example. One couple in our church drove all the way, halfway across the country to another state. A family member was on a respirator. The only way way that that person was staying alive was on that respirator. They said, listen, we're going to keep them on the respirator until you get here. You can say your goodbyes, and then we're going to take them off the respirator. And that was going to be it. They took them off the respirator. They kept breathing. Uh, And that person actually uh, wanted to drink water. And they got up and started walking down the hallway. And they started making phone calls. And in a couple of three days, they were going home. I was going to say goodbye to my loved one, and now we're having cake and ice cream at home. Wow. Wow. What if that happened to you? What if somebody in your family, you thought this is it, we're saying goodbye, they're not even conscious anymore, I can't speak to them, I'm just going to come and try to say goodbye to them, and next thing you know, you're back at the house. And that's not even resurrection about as close as we've seen amen what if you were at a funeral that'd be freaky kids (laughs) but what if that person sat up wow friends listen like i said let's don't make this theoretical listen to what somebody said the point is that the extraordinary divine power by which jesus christ was raised from the dead and maybe we could also add, by which God created the very universe and its existence. Listen, is the same power at work in and through believers. I think I heard thunder just again. Amen? This person said, the startling, this startling truth certainly extends beyond the normal experience of most Christians. Now, that was a nice way of saying Why aren't we seeing that? Amen? Do we know how big our God is? I don't. How about you? Paul said, I I pray that you would. If you knew how big God was, if you knew what power you had access to, what would happen? We sing a song that says, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? Then what could be against us? If we truly believe that God is almighty. Never thought about that word, of you? Almighty God. If he is almighty God, that would give me a lot of confidence. How about you? I wouldn't be so intimidated. I wouldn't be so overwhelmed by the enemy. I wouldn't be so overwhelmed by life circumstances. Would you agree? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? It's a lot of confidence, isn't it? It needs to stop short of arrogance, okay? But it does need to be confidence. Hey, you know what else I think it would bring? And this is what I'm working on. Great faith. Are you tracking with me? If we believe that God is who he says he is, then maybe we ought to be expecting more than what many of us expect. And again, I'm not saying because we want fireworks or because we want, you know, a show. I'm just saying, I've lived life my way long enough. Amen? I wonder what life could be like empowered by God. I'm not sure, but it sounds pretty strong. (laughs) Is God speaking to your heart about prayer? Is he opening your eyes to things, maybe even through Paul's prayer, that God is doing in your heart even right now? But specifically, is God opening your eyes to praying for yourself and for others, things that you've never even thought about? Now, again, I realize this. we think about these things, you know, sometimes, you know, we yeah, have, but, but I got to live here and I got problems here. You know what I really believe? The Bible says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I think that many times we're chasing the symptoms. You understand what I'm saying? We're chasing the symptoms when really what we're talking about here might be the main issue. If I knew who God was, I think a lot of that stuff would work itself out. Worry, fear, insecurity. You hear what I'm saying? Not knowing what to do, or how to live. Are you beginning to see, those words are throughout the are you beginning to understand, are you beginning to realize, is God giving you a glimpse that maybe, He wants you to dig down a little bit deeper than most of us live. I know he's speaking to me about that. And if we did, would the things that we usually worry about be taken care of in the process? God would set us free. Are there things that God has given you that you don't even know? I think that's probably true. How about you here? I have access to resources and power that I don't even realize. Tonight, maybe somebody in this room needs to say, God, would you continue to teach me? Because I don't even know. Amen? I don't know, Lord. I don't know who you are completely. I don't understand all that you want to do. God, to open my eyes. You know what? Some of us, maybe God has opened our eyes, but we aren't trusting him. He has shown us who he is. And we say, can you show me one more time? (laughs) Can you give me one more evidence? One more verse. Maybe God's spoken to you, but it's just a matter of you trusting him and utilizing his resources. I guess a good question out of Paul's prayers here is for me, how well do I know the Lord? Doesn't it seem to come out of that? Paul said, I pray that you would know things about the Lord and what he wants to do in your life. It makes me wonder how well do I really know the Lord. Well, I'm thankful that I know I'm going to heaven. I'm thankful that I know he's in my heart. I'm thankful that he's with me. I'm thankful that he's offering all these things, this this opportunity to work in my life and through my life for his glory. But if I truly known intimately and discovered and understood and experienced what God has in store for my life. I'm not thinking so. How about you? Would that break you tonight? Would you just say, God, help me? That's where all of us ought to be tonight. Amen? God, help me. That could be from the person tonight that doesn't even know Christ is your Savior. God, there is so much. Wow, there is so much. And I haven't even started the relationship. Have mercy on me, God. I feel the weight now. And God, please forgive me. I ask you to come into my life and be my Savior and have mercy on me. Wow, somebody needs to do that tonight. And many of us would say, God, I know you've, you've, you've done that work in my heart, but I believe there's more. Would you show me? And when you show me, would you help me to trust you? Powerful stuff, amen? We're going to learn some more next week. But you know what? We may not make it till next week. Tonight, what is God saying to you right now? I'm going to wait till next week. I'm going to make that commitment. I'm going to make that decision. You know what I've just learned from the Lord? When God speaks, that's the time to respond. Just right now today the bible says while, do not harden your heart while he's speaking to you respond to him whatever it is we want to give you that opportunity tonight would you bow with me for just a moment as we close out our time together but don't be in a hurry because we're not done i don't believe the lord's done yet what is god saying to you I pray that the the eyes of your heart and my heart would be enlightened. That the light bulb would come on. Oh my goodness, God. There's so much of you that I didn't even know. Would you just call out to him tonight and ask him to help you? Whatever it is, to become your Savior or if he is your Savior, to do his work In his child's heart. Heavenly Father. I can only imagine. Your perspective from heaven. (laughs) We don't even know. What God can do. Lord but we are saying tonight. I pray I hope I believe. We want to. Be patient with us. God help us. You know how weak we are. You know how we struggle to trust you? There's so many things that go into it, Lord, but I pray that tonight that you would just give each person in this room the next glimpse of just whatever it is you're wanting to do in their heart and their life. Lord, help us to just get an idea of who God is and what he wants to do in me. And help us to believe you for that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.